What up geeks, fanboys, fangirls, otakus, and nerds everywhere. Welcome to another edition of Talkin' Pop. It's the podcast on all things pop culture. I'm your illustrious host of franchise. Of course, I'm joining me as always is my co-host Biko. What's up guys? And I'll let you know guys, today, happy Tuesday everybody. It's the 23rd. Um, that date's kind of significant because, you know what, it's Sonic's 29th birthday. Um, it's pretty much he turns 29 and of course, you know, the big question is, you know... Hopefully we're getting a game soon, but no, right now the I just read too over the weekend that the guy Aaron Weber who ran um Sonic's um Twitter, he was the PR guy, who and a bunch of people ran Sonic's Twitter. Both pretty much all the characters like social media, he's sticking out a new role in Sega. So um, you know, wish him all the best. He's been for so many years. He's done a phenomenal job running the Twitch channel, um, the Twitter for Sonic. Um, he says he's going to leave it in good hands. It's been an honor doing stuff with Uber. I know right now for the Sonic birthday, I think um, they're doing a lot of events like Tokyo. Joe Apolis in Tokyo was posting stuff on Twitter, you know, congratulating Sonic for being around for 29 years. Of course, he's one of the most, like, you know, recognizable icons out there. And in the course of video games, you can see the Funko Pop right here. But um, other than that, you know, and also um, Fantasy Star Online right now, if you haven't played it, Fantasy Star Online 2 is online right now. It's on Xbox One and PC. And they're doing like an in-game Sonic birthday event as well. Um, it's kind of cool, like, they're doing that. Only if you're lucky, you have a PC or Xbox One. Um, all right, now, today, um, pretty much the episode's going to be against news. Um, one thing that pretty much was trending over the weekend was The Undertaker. You know, after 30 years of professional wrestling, he is retiring. Um, if you've not seen Undertaker The Last Ride, it's on WWE Network. I watched all five episodes yesterday, and the last episode appeared on Sunday. And pretty much, you know, it was a good documentary because it went into the life of Mark Calloway. Because, you know, Undertaker was one of the last old guards when it comes to, like, protecting kayfabe. And, um, you know, people, when it comes to wrestling, it's like, when you get invested in these characters, you don't think, oh, he doesn't have a wife, he doesn't have kids, he's just Undertaker all the time. But, you know, he was one of the last guys to pretty much, you know, um, you know... Keep it real, but he was surprised when he allowed the WWE Network to have documentary film crew follow him. And this documentary went over three years, from like 2017 to 2020. And pretty much it shows, you know, all the things he went through. He talks about, you know, he talks about the whole Brock Lesnar dropping the street to Lesnar. And all this, the injuries he suffered through, you know, keeping his body fit just to perform. You know, his desire to entertain the crowd. And, you know, his wife is also, is also a, female, a former wrestler, um, Michelle McCool. Um, they have two daughters, you know. And, Tim, you know, I mean, he's a legend, you know. He sees um, Vincent Band, you know, appreciates everything he's done. Because he's like, Vincent has been like a dad to me, you know, gave me my start. He's made a lot of money. Um, he's a, he's a leader in the locker room. Like a lot of guys, ha- like hold him to a high regard when it comes to like the bar respect. He's like the top one right there. Like even like a lot of people had a chance to wrestle with him. Um, he think a lot of you know in the last episode, you think of a lot of people who worked with like Mark Henry, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Triple H. Like a lot of guys he wrestled in the past. And what was cool about the last episode? Before we get into the last episode, I do want to mention like you know, like I said, you know, because it's coming off you know the last dance with the Bulls. And this is cool that they decided to follow that trend with a documentary. It was kind of cool. It's like cool because, like I say, you get to see a peak in the life of the Undertaker. You know, Mark Calloway from Austin. He's from Houston. He's a Texas boy. Um, pretty much what he put his body to, like training, the surgeries, the hip replacements he had to go through. You know, all the injuries. You know, body. Like you said, like he mentioned, like the body. Your mind wants to keep going, but your body's like, you know, there's a limit. Um, you mean doing this for like 30 years, man? It's like, you know, not easy. 55 years old and. Yeah, it's not easy to stop loving what you're doing, and you know he 
you know, growing up, you know, at least I got to see him, Russell. I think I've kind of seen Russell two times at the house shows. A couple of house shows back in the day. I think one was in 2000 when he was doing the American Badass gimmick. So I got to see him in the American Badass. Pretty much saw him in the Big Evil in 2003. I mean 2002 because I remember we, we and you went to... Me and you and my, our dad went to a house show in 2000. That was like around... So I was 2000. So Austin was back from you know his neck injury. He wrestled... Undertaker wrestled that night as well. I think it was him and... Um, I forgot who he wrestled. He wrestled somebody, but you know he was the American badass. Um, I don't think he, he came out to Roland, of course, because he was using the Limbiscuit theme at the time. So, you know, hopefully the people who were able to get to see him wrestle, I know there's someone posted on my Facebook that you know I wish I could have seen him at least wrestle live once. But at least unfortunately we were able to have the honor of watching him wrestle, you know, live. And you know he commits to the character. And you know what I like about him is though is um, his mentality when it comes to like the business. You know, doing stuff for the business, but also um, building like friendship and also finding ways to evolve the character because, you know, looking back at years, his character went through a lot of changes. And then he mentioned, um, of course, you know, going from like 1990, he brought as this Western style Undertaker, didn't speak much. He's six four. he's like six, almost seven foot guy. And he said like he had a basketball scholarship in college, he was in, he was in sports, oh, but you know. But he decided to go into professional wrestling. And the documentary talks about it, like his dad at first wasn't like too thrilled about it, but he was proud of him no matter what. Um, he talked about, you know, doing that. And, you know, he was in WCW and what is me, Mark Callis. And of course, you know, WCW at that time, you know, before Ted Turner took over, didn't know what to do with him. So well, he, he was from, he's from the South, right? So he's from Texas, sense, boy. It made sense for him to be in WCW. So he went to like, he trained like in Texas, he trained like in World Class Champion and, um, World class championship wrestling, you know, with the Von Erics. You know, the Von Erics were a really big um, wrestling family in the Texas region. So, anywhere, like a lot of the big wrestlers in the South, you know, went through there through Texas. Like Steve Austin went through Texas and McFoy went there were a cup of coffee or two and went to South. Because remember, back then it was all region based. So, they were all under the national wrestling line. So, like WWE at that time was the, more like the Northeastern. WCW had the South Territory, like the Georgia Territory, and um, NWA was pretty much the governing body. So you had AWA up in the Minnesota, up in the North Midwest region. But of course, WWE decided they won. They broke away from them, their agreement with the National Wrestling Alliance and decided to branch out. Of course, you know, uh, coming off from Austin, he did a Broken Skull Sessions with Austin, so like a podcast episode for the network. Yeah. And he talked about how meeting with Vince McMahon for the first time and everything, how he got cut the call with Vince. And, of course, they call it the idea of the Undertaker, like this Western-style Undertaker. And, you know, it was scary because when he first came out in 1990, you know, kids were scared of him. And, you know, having <laughs> Paul Bearer brought him in as well. And, you know, Paul Bearer worked with a lot of guys back in the day. You know, he was a he was actually one of the bookers for, like, um, world-class championship wrestling during the day. when I mean, Austin even ran cross paths with so um, like Paul Bearer. I can tell, kind of like what Dusty Rhodes was, too, for, like, WCW and NXT later in his life. Um and of course, you know, like when Undertaker, his character changed. Like it evolved over time. And of course, he said that you know, going from ninety eight ninety nine, he was recovering from like groin injury, so he took surgery. He took time out for surgery and his groin. Like he, and it's like to evolve into the American Bass. He said he wanted to like evolve the character because he felt the character and the attire wouldn't like fit as much, being the Lord of the Dark Side. Because so that's why he tried to bring a little bit of himself, but keep certain aspects of the character. He said that if he didn't do this American Badass, I don't think he would have survived the rest of the attitude. And look, he did. He did the American Badass to Big Evil. Then to kind of bring a hybrid of both, you know, the American Badass and the Lord, and the Lord of Darkness, and meshing the two of them in 2004. 
But it was cool. I mean, coming out of the Kid Rock when he came back at Judgment Day 2000 and 2000, and he came out during the Rock and Triple H Iron Man match. And then, of course, um, he then talked about injuries, you know, rushing through growing injuries, uh, arm injuries. Um, I was watching Hell in the Cell last night. I was Right now, I'm watching Dirty Network right now. I'm, watching like 90, I'm going through the years of when I started watching, like, 96 to, like, to now. So I'm in the ads here right now. I'm in 98. I just watched the Hell in a Cell between him and uh, Mick Foley and Mankind. And it's funny because there's a there's a thing called Dodie on Toe with a documentary supplemental to it. it. Tells about how Undertaker actually wrestled with a broken foot. So he had to wear one of the boots had extra padding for him. So he was like limping, but and then you know doing with the spots. So Mick Foley tried to create some spots where you know. Basically, you know, Undertaker's mobility. You know, he tried to make him, you know, more intimidating. Of course, they had that, that famous spot where, you know, he throws uh, Mick Foley off the cell. And pretty much Mick Foley just hit his left shoulder. And, of course, um, Jared with the famous line, Oh, my God, he killed him. He's broken in half. So, and then, you know, I mean, the documentary is really good, guys. And it shows, you know, his wife, too, because it's like, his wife's a former wrestler. So she understands, you know, her husband, you know, Mark's, you know, commitment. To Vince, like, you know, he's, anything he'll help with Vince out with anything when it comes to, like, he needs to call, Vince will call him, you know, mm-hmm. you know, things. And then, you know, pretty much on that last episode, what kind of hit me hard was he wanted to do one more match because he didn't do anything with WrestleMania 35. So, of course, WrestleMania 36 being in Tampa, he wants to do this match. And of all the guys he wanted to work with, he wanted to work with AJ Styles. And it was back in 2016 when AJ made his debut. Then, you know, Taker was watching, and he's like, oh, this is one of the guys I want to work with. Because he sees AJ Styles being like Shawn Michaels. And, you know, Undertaker at first didn't like Shawn Michaels, but after a while, you know, Shawn Michaels, he got his respect, you know, after Shawn Michaels came back, cleaned himself up. You know, Shawn Michaels took time off, cleaned himself up, you know, he found religion, you know. But he got a lot of respect for Shawn Michaels, and then, of course, he talks about... AJ Styles, like he sees AJ, the athleticism, the commitment that AJ does, and everything. So, lucky enough, and you know, Michelle, his wife Michelle's like, I guess the friends they're with was actually best friends with AJ Styles. So, they got together and they said, Hey, and then AJ, and he called AJ and said, Hey, you want to do a match or mania? So, they do the build up, and he's like, Let's try to make this interesting, let's make it like a personal, like have like the characters attack each other, even you know, outside of character. And, of course, you know, with the whole... And then they talk about how COVID kind of changed plans because it was supposed to be like a regular, you know, traditional wrestling match. Of course, you know, with COVID-19, a lot of stuff had to be shut down. And, you know, the whole thing, the wrestling was moved to a performance center for tonight. So they got to talk and decided to do the Bollinger match. They do like this. So they found a farm. It was like 40 minutes from Orlando. And talk about that way going to that. Like Triple H and Michael Hayes were behind the production of it. Putting it all together. They had to film at night. And... You know, Taker talked about, you know, when they were filming and they're on their way back, he got a phone call from his niece that his brother Tim passed away. But he, you know, he toughed it out. He's like, oh, man, you know, it was lost. my brother. He went to the funeral and then he came back. And he said, like, the show must go on, you know. And he decided to come back as an American badass, but he added a lot of specs to Lord of Darkness. So it was kind of cool to see him come back as Lord of Darkness. I mean, definitely, guys, definitely watch that Bollinger match. It was really good. The guy actually got a good positive reviews when it on the, by the critics. Like it was good. It was like a cinematic, you know, thing. It was also almost like fitting for him as a last ride for him to write off. And you know, people were like, "Oh, he's not going to retire. It's not going to happen." But he said in the last episode that I think it's time. He's like, "I don't have no, yeah, I have no desire to go to the ring." He's like, "The only way I'll come back is if Vince is in a financial pinch." 
which he's going to be because with the failure of the XFL again and this COVID shit going on and them obviously cutting uh, contracts with a lot of people who uh, I I don't pay attention to wrestling at all, guys. Uh, that's more of uh, Fonz's deal. But um, just from a business standpoint, I and from a art production standpoint, uh, based on my experience, when they start laying off people midway through their contracts, or you catch businesses who start to invest in other things, that, that kind of at least with the case of the McMahons, I'm sure he's made a lot of weird decisions business-wise to where he is not, he, I think, has been controlling with his brand that he's not being as innovative as they could be, but that's obviously not to me to decide he's been doing this industry for years now as being the top dog, but the way I see it is cutting out a lot of who a lot of talent that has been very has been very seen very positively from the fan base and and you have the fan base still catering to giving their money especially during these tough times giving their money to support the the network and for them to do still kind of do these events albeit in front of other uh people working in the industry it's kind of I think he's not seeing the stone on the wall that's going to eventually hit. And uh, for Taker to say something like that, I want to say is funny because I feel like it's just foreshadowing. They just don't see it just yet. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, for instance, as we see throughout the years, like, uh, I, although I don't fucking, I don't fuck with wrestling, people like Ric Flair, Taker, uh, the Stone Cold, you know, The Rock, Dex. Uh, DX like those tech characters uh, what, Triple H right those characters were big for us growing up in the 90s so like that's because wrestling transcended mainstream so like it, they pretty much made wrestling like big again yeah so like, era. I mean it, that that specific era and right now it kind of still went back it still went back to a niche thing mm-hmm. along with other stuff and I think this this guy doesn't see it that way and that's fine like the man's an old dog he's not gonna fucking change that and even if he has those people um, in the right position, such as his family members, like Triple H, I don't. Yeah, he can only do so much. Yeah. I don't see that improving the brand, mm-hmm. even with him, because he's not a young cat either. I'm not saying you still can't manage and he can develop so much, but those people only have so much time. And then I'm sure they laid off a lot of their other team people that are on there, and like for them to be dropping people like flies, it doesn't speak very highly financially. And, yeah. and like I mentioned, with the uh, the football league getting another failure, it sucks that you're going to catch a, a big deal and you're going to see more layoffs. And so that's why it's very hard for me to be like, oh, no, he's not, you know, yeah, I'll come back when it's a pinch. Well, it's like I'm sure his back is getting pinched 24-7. Um, yeah, like I said right now, and of course right now, the big thing right now is, of course, a speaking out movement that's pretty much, you know, just made mainstream because it all started with this um, female talent that pretty oh, much called yeah. out David Starr, who pretty much is an indie wrestler, and 
of just the stories about you know what he did to like younger wrestling talent, especially the female persuasion. How oh he got he's got accused too. He got accused. He's oh, the yeah, one. It, he pretty much was the start of this whole thing of the speaking out movement in professional wrestling. But I like for a fact that like a lot of the female talents are coming out or speaking. Same thing with the males. Like even they're coming out as well because they were because guys it works both ways. You know, men yeah. people think oh fil- women are are just only ones being targeted. Men are targeted as well. But I like for a fact that these talents are coming great and my. Now it is affecting WWE right now to the point they have, they're trying to evaluate everything because I know Matt Riddle is one of the names out there that's being big right now because he just got moved up to the main roster on SmackDown. And, of course, this whole thing going on right now with him and his wife and their stalker, like this talent that supposedly he got involved with, she's, like, publishing things saying that Matt Riddle one time made a joke saying jump on, you know, my thing. So it's like... <laughs> But they're saying no. That but apparently she's right. apparently that person that stalk, person's a stalker. And they had restraining her father against her. I guess she has some. But you know what? You know Riddle and his wife are lawyer saying that she's that person that that's stalking him. Like had some mental issues as well. But it's like, I mean, it's I like for a fact they are coming forward. Like right now, like I mentioned, you know, right now today, um. Sammy Guevara, if you don't know who he is, um, he's an indie wrestler. He does a lot of stuff. On, like He does a vlog on YouTube, but he recently, you know, he's in AEW, but he's been over the world. But he, today, he apologized. He made a video apology, but he did an actual apology yesterday as well. Um, because he was on this podcast where he made a, pretty much a shock, he was on a shock jock type of podcast. And he talked about, you know, his tryouts with WWE. And of course, at the time, it was like, what, 2016 and... He saw one of the talents there named Sasha Banks and pretty much, you know, said some, you know, over-the-top things, comments about her to the point it got resurfaced. Of course, with the Speaking Out movie, it got resurfaced. So now AEW did what they did. They definitely suspended them without pay. So basically, they're taking a salary donation for women who have been domestically abused, those kind of charities right now. And, of course, Sammy just went on video today. He just released this video on his vlog saying... Um, again, he's doing the apology he did um, on Twitter. He talked to Sasha personally. I apologized to her. They, they had like an open channel. They talked to each other back and forth and see well, you know, what he can do to help, you know, to help with his behavior. And he already said himself that during his vlog that he's going to take a break from social media, he's taking a break from you know the vlog. He's going to get um, sensitivity training, get himself taken care of because he's like. That's the 2016 Sammy. He's not the person I am now. This is 2020. You know, things yeah. are, you know, can't say anymore. I'm glad. I appreciate I the fact that, that yeah. I appreciate that he's taking his time to, you know, help himself. You know, it's like right now we're this age in 2020 where basically you got, you, you know, it's not like comedians cannot be comedians, but sometimes you do kind of be careful where words that you're saying that you could take things too far. Oh, yeah. So it's like I'm glad I applaud for Suffers. I apologize to Sasha. I know Sasha Banks like put out a thing on Twitter with her real name and everything. Talk about you know the discussion with Sammy and you know, how she said this kind of behavior does not belong in any workplace situation or anything like that. Like comments like that made or should never be, you know, said. And I agree with that. You know, it does bring a point that you know. And right now, one thing that I saw too was um, the one of the co-founders of Cards Against Humanity was recently stepped down from his position as well. He's no longer going to be involved with the company because the funny thing is, he waited so long for this news to break out because the one thing is I follow C2E2 on you know Instagram and Facebook, and they said they mentioned things saying, oh, we're, we're canceling our partnership with Cards Against Humanity based on recent comments or something, some actions. I'm like, okay, what's going on? So I, and I'm trying to do a Google search and try to find it. And now Cards Against Humanity went today, made a statement that, you know, Max, I, don't know, I forgot his last name, but he's no longer working with Cards Against Humanity. He's stepping down from this position. 
that they're going to hire an outside firm to evaluate like their hiring practices and workplace environment to see how to improve themselves. Um, was there some allegations against him as well that resurfaced? It's something from like 2014. Like, so it started was like a, like a Twitter chain. It started coming out. But like I said, um, and of course, there's one thing we were talking about before we went on the air. Um, of course, about the comedian Chris Diala. Oh yeah, since we're on the subject, the if you want to go ahead and chime on that one, because Pico. just everything coming out the woodwork. So, uh, uh, stand-up comedy is kind of my my uh, sports, and um, Chris uh, Delia. Uh, over this, I want to say leading up to this weekend, I didn't know about this uh, until possibly Saturday. Uh, I was with family and uh, it kind of popped up with my cousin, but I didn't really pay attention at the conversation at that point because I was speaking to other people. But um, I was able to get kind of updated and I pulled up an article right now, um, kind of with the most updated news on it. But uh, stand-up comedian Chris D'Elia, if you don't know, he's kind of part of the, the Joe Rogan posse of comedians. Uh, if you don't know Joe Rogan by now, he, I, I'm going to assume you're sleeping under a rock at this point. Yeah. Uh, he's literally the the David Letterman of podcasts, you know. He's one and of my inspirations for starting just, the podcast. Yeah. And uh, so Chris D'Elia, stand-up comedian, he's been a writer on several shows. Uh, he's acted in a few things. Uh, as of recently, it's been that show You and um, on Netflix. But he has been accused of uh, soliciting underage girls on social media platforms to essentially meet up with him and, you know, perform sexual acts or, you know, just all around creepy behavior from a man who's in his late 30s. And I used to listen to his podcast uh, Mm -hmm. every week pretty frequently. Like, he'd always release on Monday and it was, you know, it was funny and... I kind of fell off doing the rotations on his end because it started becoming somewhat of a... I just didn't really enjoy it at, anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it kind of bled into his recent Netflix special. But that's my own opinion. I didn't really feel it too much. Not one of his strongest ones. But uh, I like this bit from before. Anyway, that's not the point. Uh, the point is, is that he was soliciting you know, certain sexual acts from underage women, underage girls, that he would try to set up and coordinate while he was on his tour stops and the last time I checked he is in a relationship probably not anymore after all this news coming out and mind you everything's early we're still over the weekend things are coming out but uh if if anything shows uh as of late his uh his entertainment representation CAA which is a popular popular uh agency within stand-up comedians uh, and under entertainers uh, even actors uh, they're pick, they're a big agency house, and uh, they have just announced, due to the fallout from these recent allegations, and based on all the screenshots and all this stuff, it looks like he's going to have to be in court for a while, and uh, he, they just dropped him as a client, and the move comes after Whitney Cummings, uh, who was Delia's co-star, and they used to date back in the day, for her series Whitney, he used to write on there and star. And she had posted, I think, something today, which just says she is de- de- devastated. I quote: "says she's devastated and enraged by what she has read and what she has learned about the allegations. This is a pattern of predatory behavior, and this abuse of power is enabled by silence. And now that I'm aware of it, I won't be silent." Uh, additionally, Comedy Central, Hulu, Amazon Prime Video have all removed an episode of the series Workaholics. Uh, if you're not familiar with Workaholics, it was 
big, big show on Comedy Central a few years ago. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure it's over by now, but it's a funny show. Yeah. And he, fair enough, he's played a child molester on that show, and then on you, he his character, he played... You know, a much older guy who I think it was a sing. Uh, I don't forgot. I guess I think he played a comedian there too, who was a creeper. Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, if you didn't see the show, you he he kind of makes a move on an underage girl who was working as his intern. So, for a guy who doesn't have a lot of acting credits, but as of late he's been pretty much in the limelight, and to get these allegations on him it's, and to play certainly these type of roles, it's kind of. Ironic, you know, it's a coincidence, ironically, that he played a character that now he's getting accused for such type of acts. Yeah. Um, and it says uh, he has since has denied these allegations that he had harassed teen girls online. I guess there's a hot link to it. He <laughs> says, I know I've said and done things that might have offended people during my career, but I have never knowingly pursued any underage women at any point. Delia said in a statement obtained by Deadline last week. Uh, that's where I get the article, folks. Uh, all of my relationships have been both legal and consensual, and I've never met or exchanged any inappropriate photos of people who have tweeted about me. That being said, I am really, truly sorry. I'm, I was a dumb guy who absolutely let myself get caught up in the lifestyle, and that's my fault. I own it. I've been reflecting on this for some time now, and I promise I will continue to do better. End quote. Now, let's dissect that really quick. So how are you going to start a quote by saying, I've never done these things that might have offended people or during my career, but I've never knowingly pursued underage women at that point. So, you know, he's trying to play that he didn't know, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, with that being said, he's still saying, I'm truly sorry, and I was a dumb guy who absolutely let myself get caught up in the lifestyle. So how are you going to, obviously, legal talk, you're going to first deny, 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 and then turn around and be like, well, I was dumb, and I let myself get caught up. So it's like, which one is it, man? Mm-hmm. I've been reflecting on it. I get it. You should take the time to reflect. But it sounds to me you're going to get caught. Now, mind you, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of, uh, tw- uh, I want to say Snapchat shit and uh, Instagram screenshots that are getting posted by the accusers with dates and everything. And uh, there's actually a clip, a video clip, if you haven't seen it on YouTube, um, there's actually one also on the Joe Rogan subreddit where there's a whole compilation of Chris D'Elia exposing himself. But mm-hmm. I think what they mean by exposing himself is figuratively to what his ignorance is with certain social media apps and platforms. Specifically Snapchat. There is a clip of him when he's on the podcast of Fighter and the Kid with Brian Callen and Brendan Schaub. Uh, where they talk about uh, another person who got in trouble with Snapchat stuff and Chris D'Elia. Like you can find it everywhere. It's like you watch him die inside. It's, it's like he didn't know that because uh, the Snapchat app works differently on the Android uh, iOS and the Apple iOS and on Android you can screen record and and all that on Snapchat although we all know when you use Snapchat you, if somebody screenshots it gives you a notification saying that that person screenshot whatever you posted yeah. right whatever you recorded or send in the chat and so when when that podcast clip came out because you can watch it on YouTube they always post it they, you could see him that his ignorance through and he's like well you can't save anything on Snapchat right and and Brian Callen's like come on he's like you didn't know that he's like you couldn't like people can do that and on Apple you can't you can't screen record but obviously we know you can just pull another camera and record outside of the device you're using yeah so 
it kind of it was like a premonition right there to where he's like, oh fuck, I messed up. I I did so. Hence why I'm going to this quote from whatever he just said with Deadline and being like, you can't deny, 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 and then be like, well, I was an idiot back then. So it's like, so you know that you've been doing this and you still continue. Now, he's not the only one happening. Uh, we saw Danny Masterson. That's why he got. That's what happened. Well, while he so, got let go from the ranch and had to write his character off. Right, and, and, and now he's getting the, the protection of the Scientologist groups. But mind you guys, this isn't anything new. It's sad and sickening that Hollywood has, has always been a hub for predatory behavior. And it's it's awful that a lot of these people don't feel like they have the power to really come out and have any substantial resource of support. And and this is the time where, like, I'm glad Winnie Cummings has said something, especially with somebody who she's once dated has worked and collaborated with on consistent occasions and yeah. I'm sure, you know, she learned a thing or two about his personality she dated him. So it's one of those things to where I, it looks like the writing's on the wall. Um, I mean, he got dropped as representation. It's going to be very hard for him to come from this, especially in this time with the Me Too movement still in full effect and it looks like it's going to get another rejuvenation. So, stuff yeah, right now it's out. like the whole right now there's the hashtag speaking out because yeah, yeah it's, it's happening like people don't realize it, like I said now with the whole Joey Ryan as another thing he's in our town as well and of course Impact Wrestling has suspended him as well based on his accusations and even NXT um, UK there's a lot of wrestlers like Jordan Devlin a lot of these wrestlers are of getting found out that you know the Patriots are committing as well, and you know I just pulled up um, Sasha Banks's uh, statement from Monday from yesterday, where after he and she and um, um, Sammy Guevara had a discussion, and this is what she put on her Twitter. She she did like a little screenshot. She said earlier I spoke with Sammy. I quote: "This is from Sasha Banks. Earlier I spoke with Sammy. He apologized and we had open discussion. Words like the comments he made, jokingly or not, had absolutely no place in our society." I don't tone or tolerate this kind of behavior. But one thinks is just a side comment can have a massive impact on someone else's life and can send the wrong message. We have to hold ourselves accountable for our actions and the words we say. And I hope this situation shows them that. I hope from this point on, in order for growth and change within our community to take place, we can all continue to have these conversations. No person, man, woman, or child should ever be subjected to a feeling of fear or any unsafe environment. We all have to do better, not just for ourselves, but for generations to come. And she signed on her real name. I guess basically what, um, that's what he said. He made this comment, like I said, what, what Sammy Guerrero said. He said it on a, he appeared on a podcast called The Old Effing Show. Uh, it was on January 25th. And pretty much, here's the quote. And I do apologize in advance if it does offend anyone. I'm going to read this quote. This is a quote from Sammy. Even he mentioned it on his vlog. But he didn't say it in quote. But he did say that he said the quote. At the time, he thought it was a joke. But at that time, he said it was, he was, it was a shock thing. He was going for shock value, basically. He said... Bro, Sasha Banks, oh my god, when I was at the WWE the other week, I just wanted to go fucking rape that woman. I mean, honestly, dude, come on, dude. You, I, dude, 2016, come on. That's not long ago. That's four years ago. That was four years ago, man. And then he, even he said in the comments, he did the video vlog of did that. You know, that was something he, he thought for that time, he was looking for a shock, like a shock joke. But at that time, you know, with this movement and everything, he regrets doing that. He regrets saying that. And, and this, like I said, it's not just... You know, WWE, Impact Wrestling as well. I just, I'm on the WrestlingInc.com. That's where I got these um, quotes from. But here's our Marty Scroll. He's a, from Ring of Honor. He's the head booker for Ring of Honor. He was gonna, he was gonna be a free agent, but he, he's the head booker for Ring of Honor. Um, 
Apparently, um, it's a pretty much, it says here, he tweeted out, it's Marty Scroll. He tweeted out a statement regarding the sexual abuse allegations that were made by a woman who was 16 years old at the time after an IPW UK show in 2015. Supposedly, the woman alleged that Scroll had tried to coerce her into having unprotected sex while she was intoxicated. She said she performed oral sex before he could penetrate her. A friend came in and told Scroll to leave. He wrote out the allegations and the next day he didn't turn off for his match. Everyone there knew... That we had kissed, it was quickly circulated that I was a slut, but from the part where he was sexually assaulted a drunk child. Here's what Skrull's statement. Skrull's statement does not feature a former apology. We urge that those those attacking the woman to stop and listen as is her right to use her voice. Skrull admitted that the encounter happened and said it was legal at 16. It's the age of consent, sexual consent in the UK. He's like, and this is what he says. This is Marty Scroll, I quote, I am aware that a young woman has barely come forward with her account of sexual abuse by some members of the wrestling community in the UK five years ago, a community I was part of. Although I truly believe that our encounter that evening was consensual and the fact that the encounter was legal is almost not the point. I understand that now she views our encounter as part of a bigger problem within the wrestling community. What concerns me at this moment is that what I have been reading, she's a fan of wrestling, was made to feel unsafe within that community. This is not accepted. I also understand that some people have been attacking her on social media and employed to please stop. She has a right to her voice and it's our responsibility to listen. Hmm. And of course they showed on, you know, she put it out on Twitter and stuff and then, like I said, it's, you know, it's coming into light about what's going on because like I said, right now we're at these, these times right now where, you know, with the Black Lives Matter movement and all this now, this coming forward, it's like I'm glad they're starting to share their stories now. Because mm-hmm. honestly, it's like it's not. It's about time, you know, for these voices to not be, you know, to come out, not to be silenced. As like you said, Hollywood right now is like the whole mentality. It's not right now. It's always it's been like that, but now it's starting. Like these Since women are beginning. people are like they're just trying to make their voices heard. That's the thing is that we get a lot of a lot of trolls on the internet who want to kind of not beat down this behavior because I know you know they do because they're allegations they do need to be set in the court of law but obviously when I said that quote with Delia's case if you you can't say that I, these are allegations that are not that are false and stuff and then apologize it's yeah. like you, if you know they're false you shouldn't have to apologize or anything it's just logic and frankly if you know you didn't do anything wrong there wouldn't be a need for it but it sounds to me like you did do some shit and and he's gonna have to face his day in court, and more things have to be coming out. And I know, like, in the in the age of cancel culture right now, it's they still have to have a due process. And and frankly, Hollywood has always been a mecca of protection for this type of predatory behavior. I mean, we don't have to look that far. The Weinstein stuff, the Crosby stuff, like this. It's sick because these people of power within the industry use their power and leverage to get something out of people who, at the end of the day, want to make it big, you know? Mm-hmm. They want they, This is what they feel is makes them happy and fulfilled as far as going into acting, and they'll literally do anything. And It's sad that these predatory people in power are the ones who are going to, you know, use that to their advantage. And that's something that's deep-rooted in, in, I think, childhood. And I'm not a psychologist, but... It, I feel like it's it's a powerful ego thing in there, and it's sad that we're gonna. It's sad, but at the same time, these people are using their voices, and the more we support the people who are coming out and sharing this experience with others, 
the more people are going to feel more comfortable doing it. And we just got to show support. I'm not saying that you shouldn't be objective about these type of things because you should. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, they got to face their time in court. They got to get a lawyer. They got to lower their asses up, and they got to sit in the and be judged by a you know a jury of of other citizens in this country. That's just how the system works. And I I fucking hate the system, but with stuff like this, you can't take it lightly. I mean, you see it with the wrestler guy saying that stuff four years ago, and then you know he he at least did his due diligence by talking to these people. But and he admitted like he's not denying what I like from it. He's taking responsibility, which honestly you will see that a lot. No, you don't, man. You he don't does. see that a lot. Of people taking responsibility for their actions, and like I said, he based on the vlog he put out today, he meant what he said was wrong, but he also said at the time, you know, he thought he was going for a shot. Which honestly, dude, that's something you should never make. That's to me, that's something that, in my opinion, that's something you never should make a joke about, man. Come on, honestly. I don't understand. You're trying to make yourself hard. This is a guy who was an independent wrestler. He went to different promotions. Yeah, finally he made a big way AEW. But it's like, dude, come on. Saying stuff like that. It's like at this age, you know, women, you know, you know, they're being. Honestly, I love female wrestling. You know, they're doing a great job because they're athletic. You know, they can do just as much as the men do. But at a time where, you know, back in the day, women's wrestling wasn't big. They were just there for eye candy. But now it's like it's more athletic now than looks. But what's just cool, like these women know how to fight. They can take as much punishment as the men when it comes to like certain matches like Hell in a Cell. Tasha Banks was in a Hell in a Cell against Charlotte. You know, they had a women's money in the bank match. It's like, but for this guy to say those things, like, just for shopping, like, come on, dude. But poor choice of words, man. Never make a joke like that. Come on. But I'm just like I said. I'm glad that he's willing to take accept, uh, like a, you know, take the flag for it. Apologize to, to Sasha Banks, which I'm glad he did. Even Sasha, you know, accepted the apology and they had an open discussion about it. And to the point, he's willing to go get himself a sensitivity training, which he's doing that. I applaud him for that. And like I said, he's gonna take a break from social media. He's gonna take a break, you know, from the vlog. And like I said, it's and I was wondering too because that kind of relates to uh, I saw this article a while back in anime news dot com. A Japanese voice actress talked about herself as well when she was trying out for different voiceover roles that for this one studio, and apparently for her to get a part that they were trying to coerce her into performing sexual acts, and she said no. And the point that he she never got called up for anything again. And she talks about even like in that so kind of nice. even the voice acting industry as well because in Japan you know voice actors are like. Hold out to the higher standards as mo- like, not saying not only they do the voiceovers, but they also do promotional work. They're they're people recognize them on the streets because they do promotional work as well. They do promo shots and stuff. It's like, but dude, it's like it's not just you know entertainment. It's like it's on all fandoms of entertainment. And then it's just yeah, it's like, but like I said, I know going into this podcast it was gonna be a little serious, but like dude, this is something that's been going on and. Like I said, it just came out of line on Twitter because as soon as I went on Twitter, like I seen this thing about the speaking out. That's why I went in and saw what the speaking out is. It's like, like I said, a lot of female talents, like a lot of names being brought out there. David Starr, you know, Joy Ryan, Sammy Guerrero, like a lot of these names getting pushed out. Guys who you probably have you seen Ring of Honor wrestling or New Japan pro wrestling or Impact wrestling. These the allegations and stuff coming to light as well. And of course with Chris Diella because it's like I never, I, I'm familiar with him, but I never seen his specials, so I couldn't like. But dude, come on. In this day and age where pretty much most apps can track what you're saying and stuff, it's like, same thing with Twitter, you know? 
Any little comedy, man, they say Yeah, man, tw- Twitter's just a dumpster fire of people. Just It's it's like an echo chamber of all these, you know, it's it's like a, a cafeteria when you're in school. Like, all these, you know, blending of voices, and frankly, there's probably a lot of, a lot of intelligent people using it, and I'm not, that doesn't go just for Twitter, you know? It goes for Facebook, it goes for Instagram, it goes for Snapchat, like, all these different ways of communication in this digital age, and, like, People, I think, fail a lot at not realizing that that, like, nothing goes away from the internet, man. That pushes you back. And, like, we see it. Anything can resurface. I mean, we're seeing people left and right getting resurfaced on stuff they may have seen. And now we, like, it is, does, it's very weird that some people have to own up to crap they posted, like, years ago. But at the end of the day, you do not have to write anything you want to you don't have to put anything on the internet. You know, you do not have to. But some people are, get compelled and they get into this weird mental state where they need to say whatever comes in out of their minds. And if they, you know, it's just like with anything with freedom of speech, man. You gotta, it's more or less freedom of speech, but accountability for, you know, responsibility for the consequences at the end of the day. And frankly, that doesn't, that extends to the internet, especially not more than ever. We see our president do it every day. And and it sucks that they don't even say anything about it, but mm-hmm. it's a whole new grounds. And But when it comes to these platforms, they're more than 10 years old now. Like, that's not an excuse. No. And it, yeah, that guy is just way out of line. And yeah, he can apologize and do that stuff. And, uh, and man, I just feel bad for that wrestler. But I mean, they, they're going to have to have that conversation. And it's cool that they can still be civil and, and try to talk that out because... I mean, I would hope that he didn't enact on that physically, but he said some things, and, and like he mentioned, there's got to be a redemption point somehow because there's got to be some sort of path towards that. And I know in this country, we kind of don't do that. I mean, our prison system speaks for it. So I I know this isn't the last case that's going to pop up like this, no. but it, it's... The roaches gotta get brought up into the spotlight because this is awful. This, sh- this just needs to change, mm-hmm. and I'm not surprised that it's also happening in wrestling, man. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not surprised at all. Those like it's just a bunch of dudes roided out and high testosterone everywhere, and a lot of egos bumping. Like these, remember these are athletes at the end of the day. A lot of them probably played sports, and I'm not saying that accounts for anything because personality is what really what drives that I don't know like how these people are raised but damn I just it's a psychological thing that people need to researchers need to assess professionals need to assess that and and these people need to get evaluated no matter what even if they're not guilty or they don't get but they need to have their day in court they have to otherwise this cancel culture thing is going to continue to roll down the hill and we're not mm-hmm. what like there's got to be an open you know, discourse. And these yeah, things. like I said, uh, like I said, there needs to be, you know, action and, of course, you know, what cards against humanity are going to hire a firm to do sensitivity training as well and do evaluations, you know. Yeah, like even a game like that, like even you would think... No, there's the, the people behind the game, yeah. Right, what I'm saying, like, you play the game, I play the game. A lot of those answers are very, you know, a lot of hard... A hard some people may not have a thicker skin, but I'm not... I'm not surprised. Like, I don't know. I just... Money, man. Money and power gives you that... I, like I said, you know, I, he also started on Twitter it. where this, this person, this, co- this former worker at Cars Against Humanity talked about the workplace environment, about the C, like the found, one of the founders and 
you know, about his behavior and stuff. And, like, it went back all the way to 2014. Let's come on, dude. It's like... And you say, like, power kind of changes people. You know, money kind of changes people and their behaviors. But it's like... I understand you guys are making games aiming at, like, adults, like, adult humor. But at the same time, you got to be adults about it as well. You know, it's like... Don't live through your craft. That's why, like, one thing they keep saying, like, a lot of people, I don't know if they, it doesn't say a lot, but don't live through your craft. Like, don't be the person that you're trying to emulate, you know. Same thing with these wrestlers, you know. That's why, you know, some of these wrestlers, just, that's why he's like, back in the day, it was hard not to be real because you had to stay in character, especially here in public, because, you know, there's kayfabe and all that stuff. But nowadays, now it's like, you know, they just have to, like, be careful and, you know. And we got now we're being joined by Elf. No. He's got a thing or two to say, but yeah, I just There's always gonna be, unfortunately, people with the mental capacity to to commit these heinous acts and I and it seems to be an entertainment and and, I, and not just entertainment, I mean white collar I'm sure white collar industries go through this. Blue collar industries go through this. Women have to deal with so much, so much more crap than the male does, and it's just unfortunate. And things need to change, man. Like I don't get it. It's like some of these people that I, you know, everyone's got different childhoods, but man, it's like you got to think about it. If you have sisters, if you have mothers, still like. You oh, wouldn't yeah. want that to happen to them. You, mm-hmm. If you have a daughter and stuff, like you would not want that to happen to them. But you feel compelled to do something like this. It's just it's a psychological illness. That it's just <laughs> so messed up. And you know, everyone's on this moral ground. So it, like we, I for one, just it, it just hurts. It hits. It hits home. It hit, it's very bad. And I don't wish it upon anyone. So man, it's like damn. You know, I'm glad that the the wrestlers are coming out and, and definitely in support some of the the female talent in there. And, oh yeah, there's a lot of like support because really without the support, man, you just feel more alone than you already do. And and, and definitely with wrestling and a Ted Honcho Vince McMahon, I'm sure he was pulling crap. So yeah, it's, I'm glad that we can see this as a way to improve and 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 try to empower these voices through something that's difficult to process every day because you gotta the, the victims gotta deal with that every day I feel yeah like, you know and it's tough it's tough to go get through that and years of therapies would help but man it's just when you work so hard and you are pursuing a dream and it's just something like this you have to always consider it being something to watch out for and it's it's sad that these guys you know, it's they are making up for something they didn't get, and it's just I don't, like, I don't know, I don't know. It's just a tough discussion, but you have to have those discussions. Yeah, I know this. <laughs> this episode is like we're serious. Hope you have to like bring this up because it's been something like that. Also, want to bring up this past weekend we lost a, another great actor, um, Sir Ian Holm, um, who you know played Bilbo Baggins in the Lord of the Rings. He died at the age of eighty-eight years old. He was also an alien. He um. Played the man functioning Android Ash in the 1979 film in um, Alien, and he's and I remember he was also in um that one. He was in the Fifth Element. He played a priest like in Luke Benson's The Fifth Element. He was uh, Mr. Kurtzman in Terry Jones Brazil 1985. Cheered to fi- uh, fire. He won a BAFTA award and a nomination for Best Supporting Actor in 1981. Um, like I said. 
and this is the one that quotes, they said in the statement, his agents include in their statement, he says, he was a genius of a stage and screen, winning multiple awards and loved by directors, audiences, colleagues alike. He is sparkling wit, always accompanying the mischievous twinkle in his eye, as agents continue concluding their statement. And of course, John Mean at home, he recognized he was in Lord Rings. And what's kind of cool about it, he reprised that role again in The Hobbit at the very end. Oh, yeah, that's right. He reprised the role again, and, um, uh, you know, it's crazy how these actors, you know, it says here, according to the statement from his agents, to confirm the Guardian, that he died peacefully in the hospital with his family care and care, and that his illness was related to Parkinson's. Charming, kind, and ferociously talented, we will miss him hugely. Hmm. And also, another big news that's coming out from the movies, um, I do want to mention, um, of course, with DC right now, they're doing the Flashpoint movies, so it's like different universes. If you remember what Flashpoint is, it's from like the Crisis and Infinite Earths kind of thing. He goes to like, like, the Flash goes through these different dimensions, or there's one point where he travels to where, you know, Bruce Wayne's father becomes Batman. Bruce is the one that gets killed, and his wife, Martha, becomes the Joker. And right now, um, the, the movie looks like it's still in production. It's, apparently, the movie is still going to go forward. And there's been talks that Michael Keaton is possibly going to and talks to play Batman. He plays his role as Batman. So, it'll be interesting to see how that role is going to play. Because it's like, it's been a long time since, you know, Batman Returns. And, of course, you know, at that point, after Batman Returns, they were going to do a third one. Of course, that never came to light. You know, Joe Schumacher took over and, you know, Michael Keaton dropped out. And they brought in Val Kilmer. And, of course, we're in Joe Schumacher. He recently passed away after filing a battle with cancer over the weekend. I know people recognize, remember him. I mean, he's done, like, The Lost Boys. And, of course, um, he did Batman Forever, Batman Robin. Of course, trying to make it campy, taking over from Tim Burton. When Tim Burton and the studio couldn't, rec- couldn't agree on part three of, you know, Batman. And, of course, he's infamous for the bat nipples being added to the, the suits. And trying to make... the terrible movie. And trying to make everything campy again. Taking away from what the dark overtones that Tim Burton introduced into the Batman mythos. Um, they want to sell toys, too. Let's be honest here. These production houses are super detached. And they run these things through focus groups. So they don't... And that was the year that he wanted to capture that 60s zaniness. But with a weird 90s feel and you have so many weird people in that movie but eh. we lost the director you know and Joe Schumacher for what it's worth that last movie was a little bit of a, a dent into his career but he directed other movies that were pretty decent I, I, I was I was too young at the time so that was the only Batman one I knew um, but yeah he had passed away he was relatively young too right in the 80s 70s mm-hmm. not so bad but Yes. And this is one thing if you're a big Harry Potter fan, of course you know recently JK Rowling's like, stance on is on uh, her anti transgender comments. Uh it looks like here um Oh really? Apparently uh four authors uh, authors signed this is from CBR.com. Uh four authors signed with the right agency the Blair Partnership has resigned over the company's silence regarding JK Rowling's transphobic comments. It says four authors signed with the UK writing agency the Blair Partnership have resigned in protest of the company's silence regarding our star author J.K. Rowling's recent transphobic tweets. A variety of reports that Drew Davies, Ugla Stefania, I'm gonna ruin this last name, so bear with me. Criston John Dorthier, John Dorthier, Fox Fisher, and ominous writer have issued a joint statement condemning the agency for not speaking out in support of transgender rights. 
Their decision followed a series of tweets and a lengthy essay that Rowling wrote, which were widely seen as attacks on transgender people. In a statement issued by the four writers, they say that they tried to have the Blade Partnership publicly voice support for transgender rights, failing which they felt forced to distance themselves for an agency. Hmm. Like I said, it's like... That's cancer culture, man. It's like... I don't know, I mean... Just... Yeah, I've never read the Harry Potter books, but I'm like... I don't know how J.K. Rowling is as a person. You know, I'm not... Like I said, I've never read the Harry Potter books. So... Like I, I don't get why I don't get why people need to have this weird uh, fascination to shut down other people's. I guess you could say gender identity, let alone sexual orientation. Like it's yeah. not their business; they just kind of want to be accepted like anyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I can't understand. I can't fully grasp how it feels to be born into a into a body and, and try and feel like you don't belong even in your own body and you feel you know you lean towards one energy or the other and it's uh and at least considering this jk rowling kind of whatever her comments were and her being such a uh and uh i want to say a public figure at, com- because of the harry potter books and and that really being, for the most part, a lot of these people's generations, like it's been a childhood impact for them, and and with the movies and all that, and I, this person, you go like they they have the rights to have their own perspective on things. It's just very strange uh, that she, you know, that people are going to not bash it, but. It seems like she's probably going to take a lot of flack for it. And like we said, like I said, she's got the rights to her own opinions and her opinions, everyone's got it. But at the end of the day, it's like... It's like you're an author. Those books are old as shit. I, I'm but sure I mean, gonna... there's still a fan base behind it. It's like... Yeah, because it's like that book, man, right? It says we have to separate the art from the artist, the art from the artist in this particular medium and say what you will, right? You know, I mean, in this case, she's alive, so... She's gonna have to keep answering for that, and like we, like I mentioned, man, Twitter is just a cesspool. Facebook is a cesspool of just negativity, and it's the same. Like people talk out of their ass, and even when they have that platform, it's it's you're gonna get caught up. But what I say, man, you post something online, something services, you're gonna have to pay for it. Like you, unfortunately, man, that's just the realm of criticism you're going to receive. And in this case, with JK, I, I if if she, you know, she grew up in a different time. We all are still learning as we get along, go along, and frankly, I mean, I don't understand why people need to bash people because of that. Like, just let them, let them. Like, there's, there's no, you waste more energy hating something than just kind of try to understand it. Use what energy, they're going through, yeah. Use energy, energy to put yourself to learn and to learn and just try to understand, man. And it's like at the end of the day. Like, who knows if you get those feelings or if you, if she has a kid, I don't know if she does, but you never know when your friends are going to feel like they don't belong and you're just catering to the, the nonsensical hate of something and like, we're, and with everything just 2020 being such a shit year, well, everything's just kind of, it's a snowball of all this crap coming out and, and it sucks and a lot of his hate. Right now, man, I... People need a lot more 
people need to like really take the time to and under just work on their themselves because man like you I think when you lead with the ego too much is what happens you just start hating and and it's sad that this J.K. Rowling produced such a impactful book for people and you do this it's like shit I mean we're over here bashing Hitler and stuff and then she comes out and says her things about trans people and how she doesn't believe in it and shit and like I mentioned she is entitled to her own opinions but at the end of the day man not without its scrutiny right and mm -hmm. especially in this day and age like come on man it's like just know that there's more there's more supporters and there's always good more good always out always the, the evil it's just unfortunate that our media only pays attention to the evil because it gets it gets some pay it gets some clicks gives some money but I don't I'm not surprised that J.K. Rowling is going to take a lot of heat for this she is already and I don't know if she's working on more books but I don't know I mean people are going to still buy it at the end of the day it's your money you do what you will but man there, she's going to definitely have a different um, public opinion on herself at that point like I mean I never got into the Harry Potter ones and I'm not saying I wouldn't read it now but it's just something that we're like oh man well you know, she just believes in different things that I don't believe in. And, I mean, that's her. That's her. That's not her. That's not me. But, man. Look at that, you guys. Nobody's safe out here. Your favorite author, you better check them. Because they might be having some pretty hateful opinions or perspectives on things. But that's all. We're all raised differently, unfortunately. We all, this is lottery of life. Alrighty, so we're going to go ahead and... Um... Have you guys listened to this ad for our store? And of course, if you're watching this on video right now, check our we got your T-shirt from our store right here. Check it out. I'll make sure to listen to this ad, and we'll be right back with more of Talking Pop. Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care. Alrighty, guys, and we're back. Um, pretty much, um, like I said, I hope you guys enjoyed the ad of our store on Teespring. Like as you see, if you're watching on video right now on YouTube and Twitch, um, we got our t-shirts hanging up right up here. And as you can see, um, if you're watching on video right now, I know you guys are listening. And uh, we pretty much added some kind of flair to the little setup here. We had me and Biko found this frame, this Mario Brothers three frame, which is kind of cool. Of course, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin's up there as well because, of course, you know, he's one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. Of course, I listen to his podcast as well. And, of course, Ninja Turtles. Uh, pretty much the Turtles has always been a big thing in my life. And, of course, you know, one of those things that I like growing up. Um, one thing I just read right now, I just saw right now, I came across on, it's on CBR also, that Chicken Run, if you remember that film Chicken Run, you know, by the same studio that did all Wallace and Gromit, it's just been announced that Netflix announced that a sequel is coming out on the 20th anniversary what? of Peer Lord and Nick Park's 2000 movie. 
noting production on Chicken Run 2 is due to start in early next year. According to Variety, after Rocky and Ginger hatch a daughter named Molly, rumors start to flow of a new and terrible threat on the mainland. The hook is that this time the chickens are breaking in instead of breaking out. That's so weird. I mean, it's been... Mel Gibson was in that one, right? It was Mel Gibson. I forgot who played the female chicken. I forgot. Yeah, because uh, he, yeah, Mel played Rocket. He was like a daredevil rooster, and supposedly, oh, here we go. It's just the first one starring Mel Gibson as um, a cocky rooster who crashed land at a chicken farm, populated by a flock of female chickens. That's gonna be turned into pies. Uh, Julia Swalha played the no-nonsense ginger, determined to save the lives of herself and her friends on the Tweety Chicken Farm. The cast was run out by Miranda Richardson, Timothy Spall, and Melda Stoughton and Jane Horrocks. Of course, it was made in that Clay Nation kind of style, kind of like that Wallace and Gromit style art style, but it was done oh, yeah. by, by Arvin Studios. I like Wallace and Gromit. Uh, yeah, so I'm I'm kind of curious to see how the sequel is. I mean, it's 20 years after the first movie, and it's, you know, that was one of the things I saw. And then the other thing I just saw right now that I don't know if you guys agree, um, Kallax has said, you know how the Avengers was the biggest crossover? Here's what Kallax is trying to say. Avengers was the biggest crossover. Then now they're combining Frosted Flakes... And Fruit Loops in the same box. And I'm not lying. I just saw right now on my Facebook. And it was on... I don't know where that show. It was like a promo thing. Yeah, apparently that's what... That is happening. That, you know, Kellogg's, Fruit Loops, and Foster are going to be together in the same box. Oh. I, I don't know about you. I mean, I love Fruit Loops by itself and Frosted Flakes, but... That's definitely like a high meal. <laughs> like, you can't... There's no way you can eat that sober. I, hey, man. Dude, I'm not lying. Like, it was up on... Let me see if I can find I'm a sure box. Be good. I mean, I've, I've done some crazy cereal combinations under the influence, and, and I've had some of the best cereal bowls of my life doing it, but... I, oh. Like, just remember, guys, brush your teeth after that, because you're just going to ask for cavities and enamel deterioration, but, man, I'm not going to tell you what to do... Uh, that just sounds like a, a bomb waiting to happen, but they're going to probably make so much money doing that. Or you can just, you know, buy the separate boxes themselves and do it yourself. Don't You don't have to necessarily go to the convenience of that one box, but I digress. I, I can't believe it. Oh, here it is. It's from, uh, yeah, here's the thing. I found the article. It's on, on uh, the list.com. It says here. Why now? Yeah, look at the box, dude. It's Tony and, and two can't stand together yeah. in the same box. It's called they're calling it the mashups type of thing. <laughs> it's it's Just, like it's uh, basically like two can Sam, and it's like the series like perfectly named bucks. mashups combines the sweet and crispy flavor, Kellogg's frosted flakes, and the bright colors of fruit loose mixed together in one box. Uh, I don't know, man. I I wouldn't. You could do that already. Don't don't pay the extra money for that. Just if they got a two for five deal, just get the separate boxes and try it once. I'm just I don't know how it tastes because I like both cereals, but it's like it's gonna taste like sugar. It's gonna taste like ungodly amounts of sugar. Corn and fruit. It's like, mm. uh, I mean, it's not even the corn. You don't even taste. It. They're both made of corn though. Fruit yeah, cornmeal. Yeah, but it's like still. It's, it's like, just gonna t- it's gonna end up t- obviously the the flavor profile is a little different on the fruit loops compared to frosted flakes, but together, oh man, your bowl is gonna look very interesting too. But yeah, because I know frosted flakes turns like your milk kind of like a oh, pinkish color. Just, oh, fruit gonna, loops, but uh, uh, it's just one of those things I just saw that I'm like, I thought it was like it was just like a fake article, but no, it was an actual. Legit thing that is actually happening. So it's like, uh, <laughs> this is gross, man. I just don't get it. Like, why? Why now? This is they run. 
Did they really run out of, of cereal combinations to push out the fruit? I remember they added marshmallows to Fruit Loops once, and it uh, probably didn't stick. Frosted Flakes, they have so many iterations now. Like, I think they got cinnamon. I mean, it's Cheerios, John, most of Cheerios. Pretty, they pretty much Cheerio just added, like, Cheerios to, like, everything. It's like... No, well, that, that's Kellogg's, so, like... Mm-hmm. They have so many different versions of those type of cereals, and, and they all probably just taste the same. They just have a bunch of sugar. And, and, man, I mean, as a, one of those things to where it's like you only live once type of thing, do it, but oh, just don't make it an everyday thing. This just sounds gross. Kellogg's, are they really that desperate right now? You can't be that desperate for money. But, man, uh, I just... Well, look at this. Uh, Funko launches a huge 18-inch dancing baby group pop figurine. No. Great. Probably 100 bucks. It's like the previous, I guess this is like an updated version, I'm guessing. But it's 18-size super pie. Like you said, 100 bucks, dude. You actually guessed it. But also, they're doing like a Mandalorian as well. And it's got a Mandalorian. I'm holding a bit of child as well. It's going to be like a... It's a 10 inch one that's going to be at Walmart. I guess it's going to be a Walmart exclusive. Um, it's, you can find it at Walmart right now. They're selling it for $29.96. Um, also, Entertainment Earth. Um, I noticed that right now, like, you know, with San Diego, like a lot of these conventions are going to the virtual route, like Comic Con are going virtual this year, Control Expo, Funimation. A lot of these um, conventions are going digital. What I like about what they're doing is they're doing a lot of like, they're going to have links to like, they're going to do a live stream, but they're going to do like links to like the vendors. So that way you can get exclusives because I know. Um, Yo, Mattel doing the Ringside Elite um, WWE wrestling figures. Um, they just released like the the exclusive Comic Con one of Mr. T. Um, they're <laughs> releasing as well. And it's gonna be interesting. Like, I'm gonna see if I can pull up the the article here. Oh, I might have to, like. Be specific. Okay. Hold on. Let me see if I can pull it up here. Ah, well, was a Mr. T cereal? Okay. Beagle went downstairs. His laundry. Ah, okay, here we go. I think I just found it right now. We're going to use. So NECA's doing a lot, of, like, they're doing, like, NECA's doing a lot of the WAE uh, wrestling type uh, league collection. So NECA's helping out as well. Um, they were helping out NECA's, like, so it's for the Comic-Con at home, you know, Comic-Con announcing this year. So basically, this is Mattel, this is from, uh, this article comes from MovieWeb.com. And basically, Mattel just unveiled one of the most amazing figures yet as one of the exclusive WWE figures for Comic-Con at home is a perennial badass Mr. T known for his neat look and form from starring on the A-Team in Rocky 3. She also dabbed in the World Professional Wrestling even competing in the main event at the very first WrestleMania. Will we go to sporadic appearances and wrestling promotions the following years, culminating with his induction by the late Mean Gene Oakland into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014. As a fan friend wrestling world, the new Mr. T figurine will have many WWE collectors rather excited. As part of the company's WWE Elite Collection line, Mr. T actually comes in some rather beautiful box packaging, you know, 
make it practically impossible to even want to take him out. Once it features an illustrated picture of Mr. Chief from inside a WWE wrestling ring, one opposite showcases the television star's trademark gold chains. Mr. Chief himself stands about six inches tall. It has a luxe articulation featuring his wrestling gear, ring gear, and a removable camouflage jacket with detachable alternative hands. So, looks kind of cool. Looks amazing. Really good detail. I mean, NECA, you know, having their input as well. You know, when it comes to, like, making these figurines, these detail figurines and stuff, um, they do a really phenomenal job. And, I mean, that's something, like, if you are interested, guys, in collecting wrestling figurines, I'm thinking that'll be something you guys should definitely pick up. Um, you know, you know, Mr. T was a big thing back in the 80s, you know, with the A-team and stuff. And, of course, you know, he was good friends with Hulk Hogan at the time. And, of course, you know... WrestleMania being the pilot for being the big show, the shows in the world of professional wrestling, having him, you know, you know, being a tag team match with Hulk Hogan at the very first WrestleMania main event against Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff and Roddy Roddy Piper. So it was kind of cool. It's like Neca's having hands with a Mattel with the details of the figurine. It's kind of cool. Even got with his gold chains and everything. <laughs> so definitely something they should definitely keep an eye on. Uh, think for um, one thing I do want to go over some anime stuff. Um, there's one series I definitely you guys should definitely recommend you guys could check out. It's called My Next Life as a Villainess, all Rosalie the Doom. It's um, based on the shoujo uh, manga or light novel as well. Um, basically, it follows this girl. Because for me, when it comes to anime, like I try to branch to see different like you know different genres. So this is kind of like I won't say it's kind of like romantic type, type. It's kind of almost like a comedy itself. Um, basically, the whole premise is. Um, this girl named Katarina Klaus, who pretty much, uh, the whole main plot is basically, she's a Duke's daughter, and she hits, she, as a kid, as an eight-year-old, she has a, she has an accident, she hits her head, and of course she recalls all the memories of her past life of a teenage Japanese girl, and this is a plot from AnimeNews.com, the rest of the plot is, I'm going to read it from the plot summary, it seems in her past life, Katarina was playing a video game, very similar to the life she lives right now, before she died. She is now Kyrena Klaus, the antagonist of the Otome game, which is a dating sim game. Otome means dating sim. Um, game whose nastily hounded the protagonist until the end. Knowing all the possible outcomes of the game, she realizes that every single possible route ends with Katarina either being murdered or exiled. In order to avoid these catastrophic bad ends, she has, has to use her knowledge of the game in her own wiles, starting with the breaking off of the game with the prince. It's from a manga. So this is a manga, and it's kind of funny. It's, a, it's actually kind of funny. It's enjoyable. Um, it's on Crunchyroll right now, and on Verve, and basically they are working on a dub for it as well. It's really funny, um, because it's funny because she remembers all the outcomes, and she remembers her whole life as a Japanese teenager playing the game. She knows all the outcomes, so she's trying to change, you know, the routes. She, you know, doesn't want to be the villain, so she's trying to make herself, like, enter she wants to the heroine. Um, to the point, she pretty much makes everybody like her. Oh, really? But being nice and doing things to normally what her character wasn't supposed to do. And I know they just recently announced the second season was announced on Sunday after the finale. So they announced the second season, so I'm curious how that goes. But definitely it's something I do recommend you guys definitely check it out. I mean, it's even though it's supposed to appeal to girls, but I think it, dudes can enjoy it as well. Because it has like all those tropes of romantic, romantic, you know, comedy-esque type of feelings. But it's kind of funny, like... You know, all the girls want to be with her. Even though she has the game with the prince. It's funny because she has a half-brother. And supposedly in the, in the when she remembers from the game was, her half-brother grows up 
because uh, Kylie doesn't pay attention to her half-brother, he grows up to be a womanizer, so she kind of, like, spends time with him, cares about him to the point that pretty much um, grows up to be shy, but he becomes protective of his sister. And, of um, course, and the prince is, like, a dark sister prince, kind of changes his ways, and pretty much even the girls, like, and apparently, you know, I don't want to spoil it in, but, like I said, definitely something you should definitely check out. Because even the girls start liking her to the point they want to be by her side. <laughs> so, so she's like, even the main, she runs into the main protagonist as well, who's the main protagonist of the video game, and she ends up becoming friends with her as well. So definitely that's something I do recommend. Um, like I said, it's called My Next Life is a Villainess, All Routes Lead to Doom, it's on Verve and Crunchyroll. That's one of my anime recommendations for the week. So I'm going to give you guys a different recommendation for a week. So this is one of the ones I do actually recommend you guys check it out. Like I said, the whole season is up. So far, it's all 12 episodes up on Crunchyroll. I know they're doing a dub of it as well. I might check out the dub once they finish translating because I go. I know it's like a lot of things. Like everyone's going back to work. Like I, they just finally finished dubbing the rest of season four of My Hero Academia. The dub wise, they were doing it from the safety of their homes too. That's like they had to go great lengths to get the production going. But they're starting to catch up. I know Funimation, Crunchyroll announced that a lot of work on the dubs are slowly coming back. It's a lot of like productions are coming back next month. So big July is going to be a big thing on anime. It's going to be a big anime release month because a lot of animes are coming, you're coming back from a hiatus. As Japan is slowly opening up the prefectures based on the COVID-19 cases. As of right now, they're not opening to outside tourism as of yet, but they're just slowly opening the prefectures for more domestic travel. But they are going to follow like guidelines as well. Like they're like same here, like in the States. I know the state we live in, like, right now, is going to suppose each phase four is supposed to happen later this week. Because I guess based on the numbers, the cases are actually dropping. So same thing in the entertainment industry. is like, I guess they set the guidelines for production, too. And the other thing to do, I mean, we don't talk about sports that one. I just read today that Major League Baseball and the Players Union have agreed to a 60-game season. Hmm. Which is supposed to start the, week, the weekend of July 24th. So the players are going to supposed to ro- report to training camp. On July 1st. For preparing this, they're going to do 60 games, but they're probably going to do expanded playoffs. So they're going to, have to do a 16-team playoff. Just to give more teams a chance to get in. Um, and I think right now, when I read one of the states that we're in, um, pretty much um, they said for outdoor sport events, they have at least a 20% capacity right now. But we'll see if that happens. I know NHL is close to announcing the six hub cities, like the three hub cities right now. I think it's down, the list is down to six. So they're going to pick the three out of six to do like a tournament. Style for the Stanley Cup. You know, MLS is doing a tournament style. NBA, they said we're going to do it. So far, I've noticed a lot of players that are, are trying not to go. Uh, yeah, I mean. Because of safety-wise. They're more concerned about helping the course of the recent. Yeah. Uh, in the course of the Black Lives Movement as well. You know, they want to take their attention to that as well, which makes sense. That's important as well. It's way more important than this fucking game. Honestly, to me, honest with way you, it's... Way more important than I, I have to applaud the German League, and of course, the Premier League, Premier League just went back last week. And I kind of like the fact that they're using, this, they're using their platform to spread Black Lives Matter as well. Like, the Premier League had, like, the thing written on the, on the training jerseys of the players. Had Black Lives Matter stencil on their training jerseys. Mm. Same thing, like, in, you know, German League as well. They were on their knees with the hands raised and... You know, solidarity. And the one thing I kind of like NASCAR, um, Bubba Wallace, who's the only um, black like race car driver on the Cup Series right now. You know what they did? Um, oh, apparently yeah. last weekend, um, they ended up walking this car. They ended up pushing this car. Like All the racers got out of the car, pushed this car all the way to the front of the grid. Because apparently over the weekend, um, a few weeks ago, they ended up finding a noose like in his garage. Week. Last week, they last found a noose week. in his garage. 
I'm like, dude, we're gonna get to that age you guys are gonna do it now. It's NASCAR, man. <laughs> but it was cool. I do applaud that they went and now they're way the, the other racers out of way to you know, recognize, you know, to push them to the front, you know, as a sign of solidarity right behind yeah, them. That was that was actually very beautiful to see um that other drivers and their teams were all in support to push his car as a symbol of, you know, support for something for a hate crime. It is what it is. It's a hate crime. Like, come on, man. He's already an African-American who is, you know, in a sport that is predominantly white and, and their major fan base happens to be in the rural south, let alone the south. And a lot of their fan bases on the Indiana, Indy. I mean, mean Danica Patrick raced in NASCAR. That was great too when she would free, free race for all. Right, but like, but honestly, for a, him, it's it's or he's already going against the grain here. And for obviously this age, for somebody to leave a news like that, and they, well, I hope they're happy. Whoever tried to do that stupid ass crime, because the FBI is looking into it and they're fucked. So it, it's a nice show of solidarity between NASCAR and. Um, they can only move forward with this, and and, and uh, they I think Reddit, I read a thread they showed he was uh, brought to tears because of the show of support he had for our fellow members in the in the in the sport and the industry, and uh, you know he probably was just feeling in shock and alone in, in this, and now it's like I'm everyone sure has it's his reassuring back. to see that everyone has his back, and that's... like mind you, I mean I don't fuck with NASCAR at all, but I think it's beautiful to see that like it transcends it that. No, it just you know he's not alone. That he they don't not everyone believes. It. I mean, then we had that one driver come out and he, what he he wanted to keep the Confederate flag on his car, and, and every sponsor dropped him, including his career, and 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 like he got Twitter fired. People coming after his career. It's like, oh well, you sucked anyways. Like you weren't even that an elite driver anyway. So yeah, good riddance. It's like all right, there's a door. So like I mentioned, like yesterday's. These uh, hateful ideologies, sure, they get perpetuated in the media right away because it's a it's a hot, juicy topic that, you know, America's always been the, a racial battleground, and, and it's, it's, it's in its found, foundation, unfortunately, but like I mentioned earlier, good is going to outweigh evil, and unfortunately, the powers and the institutions in this country only, tr- only like to focus on the evil, but uh, this is why independence uh, as far as independent media sources and platforms are important in this day and age because the mainstream media man they're just all awful they're all just awful they're only there for the buck I mean fake news is everywhere and it's but to see that you know they're not alone uh, and it's not just NASCAR. I mean, but even when it comes to the NBA, like we're seeing a lot of players even within the, you know, the union, that some of them are just like, no, you're crazy if you want to play. Like this is our power to actually use our platform to speak out. And and, and the NBA has always been somewhat uh, more lenient towards the players using their voice. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a lot of detractors or a lot of players who feel differently about it. And who want to return and you have a lot of most uh, you know a good majority coming out and especially big players like LeBron you know I mean albeit aside earlier with the China stuff nonetheless like which they are still fighting out there in Hong Kong but we're gonna see a very interesting turnout uh, and mind you I'm not I'm 
I'm not losing any sleep over any of these sports coming back. They're, you know, they're, it's literally a circus of, of slave masters. So with the NBA players feeling strongly with this cause, and I think it's beautiful to, that they're going to use their platform for something that is good and, and mm-hmm. right and, ju- and just. And, and, yeah. and a lot of these players, if they feel like they want to play, good luck. Good luck. That's all I got to say. Good luck. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't see Adam Silver... I don't. I just see him supporting, you know, Black Lives Matter, just the movement towards racial equality or at least sub- racial civility. Like, that's all. And those owners, you know, they're gonna have to win because what do they rely on? What do they rely on the most? The players. Because yeah, we yeah, the players. Like coaches are one thing, but no, they don't. They don't bounce that ball, man. Players do. No, players do. At the end of the day, they just the mental struggle of, you know, it's their livelihood. And I understand, like, not all the, not every player is making that money. Like, they do have to rely on playing the game. It's in the contract. But what's you got? That's the dividing line where you have to really understand where's your values, where are your principles. Are your principles are based on money? Mm. Or based on what you feel is right, and and I know we all had different circumstances at the end of the day we're living through, and a lot you know a lot of the players come from different you know harder means and harder backgrounds, and I get it they got a lot of people relying on them, but at the end of the day it's like you got to understand what where do you where you know where does your where does your integrity lie on, mm-hmm. and, and we see it with Kaepernick taking that knee, and we and we're we're seeing the wave continue and. and I, I the last thing I want people to feel is that they that they don't feel empowered in, and, and like I mentioned the media is only going to focus on the bad because that's what they get paid for you know you don't have to you can watch CNN for 10 minutes and see that the majority of shit is bad like they only focus on that and maybe one good thing and then it's back to programming as usual so I think this is a very interesting time and crazy times but interesting and we're gonna see it in sports and, and you know out of all the sports I'd ever thought NASCAR was not something I thought would have been something that's gonna support them because the majority of the fan base are in, you know rural areas uh, you know and, and their culture is different it's different but come on man like this it just doesn't feel like it's in the United States right now it just feels like it's a bunch of countries living that happen to be stuck in some sort of Pseudo union. Mm-hmm. Um, God damn, man. this is a very weird episode. This but, has been uh, a really serious. Been, like, I mean, I'm, honestly, to we me, we gotta talk about this. Stuff. We talk about the speaking out movement, and I found the. I mean, it's funny we go back to professional wrestling as well, but I just wanted to bring up because people are like, "What's the speaking out movement?" It all started because of. Um, so pretty much, it all started with a woman named Tori who claimed that David Starr had folders of dirt on people. Who's Davis? Who he's a promoter and also a professional wrestler. For the in, in the indies, not WWE, but oh, in, indies. Uh, uh, I found this article from Inside News. Um, Women named Tori claimed that Davis Starr had folders of dirt on people to keep them from coming forward about different things that he has done. She then provides screenshots that she claims show Starr was sexually abusive. She admitted to not having all the screenshots of the conversations because she was trying to heal. She alleged that he manipulated her into having a relationship while he was still with his now ex as well. She captured these shots and other visual evidence with the following tweets. And she says here, just to be clear, I don't want anything. You want to book him? Book him. You like his wrestling? Whatever. This is for me because for years I was trying to heal. 
Let him listen. Uh, I was a crazy liar. Let's see. This thing, this website just like froze. Hold on. And Chrome just like froze on me. Oh, the, the yeah, I've got to love Google. Um, so he kind of okay. Here we go. I think I found it. Just this is the phone she put for screenshot. Her. This here, this is what she said. To be clear, I don't want anything. You want to book them, book them. You like expressing whatever. This is for me because for years I was trying to heal. He told everyone who listened that I was a crazy liar. Everyone who's dealt with David Starr. It's, t- it's tired. Uh, a lot of my screenshots are from those times are gone because obviously I was trying to heal and I don't. I didn't want. Sorry, this didn't want to be brought back to it, but I have some. I was manipulated out of it. I was manipulated into this relationship when he was still with his ex, and I was manipulated out of it. I'm not letting you leave me. And of course, David Starr responded. I guess the allegation stated that he has acted like a child in his personal relationship with women. He also makes lying and cheating and repeating second relationships. He's not going to a therapist and trying to be a better person. So, so at least this guy is admitting it. And this is what he put. Over the course of my life, I've grown mature a tremendous amount. But when it comes to my personal relationship with women, I acted like a child. When nearly every partner I had, I've lied, cheated, lied about the cheating, then repeated that cycle. When it comes to relationships with my partners, I am emotionally immature to say the least. This comes from a lack of self-value. The lack of self-value stems from a lifeline time of parental issues amongst numerous other surrounding circumstances. There's no excuse for the lies. The cheating and attempts to manipulate my way out of the consequences, but rather just to say that I recognize where I've done wrong and why I continue this wrong and immature behaviors. Since August 2019, I have been going through a therapist. It has helped me reach an understanding as to why I do these things to my partners and has helped me get to the root cause of my neediness, crave for external validation and my inability to be truly honest with my partners. Through therapy and other forms of self-care, I am taking the steps so that I won't put anyone through this again. This will only come through as a truly valuing myself internally. What I'm seeing now is a long and tough journey. The existence of a mask has acted as a defense mechanism to not look introspectively. That lack of introspection is the reason why my behavior towards partners have continued. The strange dichotomy is that this man, this guy's really <laughs> is that social media is also exposed to ideas that have inspired personal growth in a myriad of other ways, including my views on society, economics, politics, and government. Regardless of that, my dependence on external validation has been detrimental to my own personal emotional development. I know through my actions will cause people around me pain with my partners taking the brunt of the impact. I know those actions cause myself pain as well and creates unnecessary chaos in my life. I have been forced to come to these realizations. I'm tired of being the way I am with my partners and there's no other way around it than to confront my issues. Head on, recognize that when it comes to relationships with my partners, I have been the bad guy. That doesn't mean that my partners have been perfect for that or I haven't been on the receiving end of abuse. That doesn't mean that my own lack of self-value in my relationship with my parents haven't subjected myself to attention to other imperfect people. But in many ways, I believe that my gaslighting behavior contributed to my partner's trauma that caused lashing out. I have repeatedly apologized to my partners about hurting them, and I sincerely meant those apologies. However, the apologies were never complete. The reason being was because of the lack of self-analysis, which has resulted in the repeating of the cycle. But never taking the time to focus on me, I did like a teenage boy towards partners. Quite simply, I need to grow the F up. I'm trying to do better, and I don't want to hurt anyone anymore. I apologize to anyone who looks to me as a role model and anyone that disappointed. More importantly, I sincerely apologize to Jackie, Allison, Callie, Victoria, Bella, and any other partners I have known for any and all of the torment I put you through because of my own inability to mature and to love myself. You all deserve better than what I gave you. Dang. But accordingly, this, this, this is David Starr, but this is what Tori, like the girl said, Tori fired back at Starr's response. She obviously didn't think it was adequate. 
She said he has never apologized, but instead he crawled into other wrestlers' DMs and muddy her name. Oh man, so he didn't even. She said, you keep saying that you apologize, but I don't remember doing that, but I apologize to the rape that is not an apology. You have never apologized. You crawl into other wrestlers' DMs and muddy my name. You will fool shit in that notes app. Revelation doesn't do anything for me. So basically, it's like one of those like back and forth, and I can see the tweets on there right now. But like I said, it goes back to right now, this cancer culture right now. It's this whole speaking out. It's to the point like the other day he released a wrestler named Jack Gallagher who was in the cruiserweight division. It's in the they released him into the point they pretty much gave him the Chris Benoit treatment because I guess it was one of the names tied to this list of like talent there being uh, being accused of abuse and this guy got released. Also, he was um, he was released from WWE last week. They pretty much scrubbed his name, promoting him and stuff. Basically, gave him the Benoit treatment. Basically scrubbing his name for the records. I don't know, that guy murdered somebody though. Yeah, that's true, but <laughs> it's a but bit. it's kind of funny, and he hasn't. And that that wrestler has not said anything. I know Jordan Devlin is one of the names in NXT UK was whose name got brought up to the speaking out movement as well. He's also being accused, but he's speaking out that's not true. Like I said, and of course a lot of like male talent as well speaking out the abuse they've been given this too because they were approached by like older females as well. Mm. As young, when they were starting in the indies. I know um, TJ Perkins actually spoke out as well. He's an indie wrestler who used to work with WWE, but now he's back in the indies right now. Um, he's talking about when he was younger as well, like starting up as well. But like I said, this is the speaking out movement. That's like something that needs to be discussed. I know this episode is kind of serious, but it's like stuff right now. This is what's happening right now. Really it's 2020. It's like cancer culture, like Pico's saying. Um, other than that, I don't... I pretty much don't have anything else besides my anime recommendation. Um, um, do you have anything from Reddit, Pico, that's trending right now? Okay. Um, well, besides all that stuff, but, um, if you want to see the Chris D'Elia thing, just like, the hilarious compilation of him just not being oblivious to being creepy on going there. But um, everything else is too political, and I really don't want to get into that because it's just more crap. Just the political rodeo that, you know, just don't give us anything, but it won't be substantial. I just, it's the, the kangaroo courts over there in, in the White House. So I, mm-hmm. I would love to talk about it, but at the end of the day, I don't, I don't, I'm not too positive on it. Uh, mainly, anything I found, because uh, the only thing I've read I'm going on right now is just cute animal videos. <laughs> Find any some sort of semblance of positivity. Well, I do want to mention. I mean, might as well because we started talking about the Undertaker. Um, do you have any memories of the Undertaker? Because I know you watched wrestling with me in the nineties and the answer. Uh, do you remember any like particular matches? Not the just the one. Not with Drive's career. The Hell in a Cell thing, man. That one. Oh no! Because the first one I saw him was when he faced that one guy with the weird body hair suit. Oh, John Gonzalez, WrestleMania 9. That's what I remember. Uh, that's why I liked him, because he was creepy. Uh, but I like creepy stuff. And then, uh, to, and then to, for him to move on, and then he did uh, the fight on the, the fence thing with Mankind. And that one is what I remember the most, because uh, that was a crazy thing to see them jump from, like, 40, 50 feet in the air until, like, basic tables that you can find in a backyard barbecue. Like... At the end of the day, yeah, just watching that something. match and then I, going... I would never do... Just but. knowing for a fact that that match, and like I said, I watched it last night, and, you know, for him to put Mick Foley, and Mick Foley too, another guy who, you know, put himself, you know, through hell, you know, taking those injuries. 
you know, dislocated shoulder, they, the tube uh, up the nose, yeah. and then when he threw him to the cell, like the choke slam through the Undertaker, the choke slam through the cell, and he lands on his back. And it's like, oh, land that mat, you know, that mat is not, you know, soft guys. It's really wood that they're landing on. They're piles, pylons of wood they're landing on. It's like that your back's gonna feel it. And of course, having to tube up his nose, I mean, his nose, and of course, Undertaker wrestling with which I didn't know. They never mentioned on the air was a broken foot. And he had to put padding on it, you know. McFoley had it. They said that he didn't take her, had to like come up with ways to make the match work and doing this. And you know, McFoley with the thumbtacks. And you know, I figured I had really good matches. Another good match I can remember was him and Austin at SummerSlam um, 98. You know, they were building up as a highway to hell type of thing. And that was a good match. You know, me, Madison Square Garden, who, well, like about the documentary too, the last one documentary, he calls Madison Square Garden like a hollowed ground. Because most of his career was at Mad, like he loves wrestling in that building, and I kind of like the fact when he was going through the hallway of Madison Square Garden. They had pictures of him on there too, because he had his picture next to Elvis and all that stuff. It was kind of cool and Muhammad Ali. So having up there being recognized, you know, as being the one main attractions. I mean, like I said, guy who's been loyal to Vince McMahon, being loyal to the company, especially during the Monday Night Wars, being loyal. You know, being you know one of those men that. Went through the times of, you know, and of course he, of course if you guys don't realize he has to go to BSK, which is the Bone Street crew, which was basically, you know, backstage back in the day, they had these cliques. Guys hang out together and they have getting tattoos together. Like Austin was part of that crew. I think, um, what's his name? Yokozuna was part of that crew as well, because he does mention Yokozuna in the, in the, in the documentary as well. Um, as well, as well Triple H. Talk about Triple H when he was younger. I think Triple H remember a story when Triple H was young when he started '95. Um, Taker helped him a lot when it comes to like matches, like how the, the match set up and everything. Like he helped a lot of guys. Like it shows like the respect, and then I kind of like for the fact they show when Taker went to the Performance Center or he you was know, speaking to the young talent. Make sure you had a meeting with the big man. You had Keith Lee in there and stuff. All the big big wrestlers, you know how to help them out as big men in the business, and you know able to run with the ticket and then like seeing his speed and the surgeries he's done in the, the workout he had to put himself like you know workouts just to make himself move again the ropes that was like crazy what he put himself through and like I said um he felt bad like you know him and Roman Reigns had that match at Wrestlemania 33 I believe it was in Orlando he felt disappointed in that match because he felt he let Roman down and even to the point, Roman felt like he should have put Taker over, but you know, Roman was like he was gonna treat like Taker wanted to help put Roman over, but he felt that in that match that he was so stiff. And you know, and of course, you talk about that match with Goldberg at the the Saudi Arabia shows, how Goldberg got a concussion, and pretty much Goldberg kind of ruined that match a little bit when Goldberg got the concussion. And of course, to talk about the infamous match where Shawn Michaels came back from rest retirement, just to do that one sh- trip tag team match with him and Kane, you know, him and Triple H. And he said that match was sloppy uh, to the point that Triple H tore his pectoral muscle in a bad um, botched spot. Like, it basically, his arm got, like, Triple H pretty much got his one, I think threw Triple H into a corner, and Triple H went over. His arm got caught on a turnbuckle and pretty much wore, wore, tore his pectoral muscle, so they had to work their way on the match. And, of course, Shawn Michaels, who hadn't wrestled in, like, so many years, since 2010, so he was rusty as well. And there was one point where Kane's mask accidentally came off, and this he like Undertaker was like yeah that match was kind of sloppy but and let's go cool right now like W.com just released the shirts honoring him and they have one with just his name Mark Calloway Houston Texas 
has his picture on there. It's kind of cool. I want to get that shirt. No, I want to. And of course, he just went on Twitter saying he, he put his tweet ten years ago, uh, um, ten hours ago, saying th hashtag thank you to the fans. You know, and I will say, uh, Mark Calloway, you know, dude, honestly, you pretty much was part of my childhood for thirty years, most of my life. You know, debut in nineteen ninety. You know, you're one of my favorite wrestlers. And I know a lot of you guys watch. I mean, not you guys who never went into wrestling. Probably heard from your friends about The Undertaker. Or at least got to see him like on Twitter or something. He went on YouTube to see his matches. But definitely, if you have the or network. Memes. Or memes. But definitely, if you have the network, watch his matches. Because I like about it right now. Watch the documentary series. But I like about it, they have a thing where it shows the best of Undertaker. So it has his best matches. I mean, he has a bunch of. He had Barry Lab matches. And like casket matches. Um, like I said, check the rise with Austin. Rise with Shawn Michaels. Rise with you know Kane and his brother Kane. The matches he done the Inferno match, man. That was another one. Him and Kane in the Inferno match, I don't forgive in '98. You know, battling in the freaking flames, dude. That was like one of those things. But I would say Undertaker, man. Thank you for the memories, man. Thank you for anything contributing to the world of professional wrestling. You know, you inspired you know future generations of people to want to go into the business, and you know people like. Kids who are now grown to adults will just watch it throughout your whole career, and you know all the the great determination you did to keep yourself going, fit, just to come and perform once again. But I like I said, check out that Boneyard match, guys. It's it was a really good match. It was a good send off for him. So definitely check it out. Um, you can check it out on WWE Network. Like I said, it's ten bucks to subscribe. So definitely check it out. It's worth the $10. We can see all the old stuff back. And definitely check out the Undertaker. Like I said, he's a legend. I won't be surprised next year when, you know, things go back to normal, though. He'll be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Oh, I mean, yeah, I, it's a given. He should he should be up there. He, I, don't think, I don't think we'll see another kind of wrestler like that, I guess, or character type just like him and... and I don't know. It's just it was a weird. T it was a special time, and desperation calls for innovation. And uh, I think in that specific time period, he, you know, they just he, what's his name, uh, Vince McMahon, just let everything fly, and let these people really be creative with the characters. And like with him, and like he, even if he was doing weird sexual harassment stuff, at the end of the day, he was, you know, he had to succumb to that and he talked about helping Kurt Angle out too like he pre oh. like he, a lot of wrestlers he helped out like a lot of wrestlers he said yeah I mean he was in there since the 80s right so 90s dude wrestling since the 90s I thought it was the 80s no 90s no he started early late 80s wrestling in Texas then he did a little well, bit of WCW but life. 90s dude WWE being in since the 90s at that time where you know Vince was trying to get these outlandish character gimmicks Right, that's but like for him, like he had like Undertaker, like Mark Allen had to find a way to evolve his character over the years, with the times. Well, exactly, he had to go with the times. But become a leader in the locker room, like he said, like a lot of his peers re saw him as the leader. He's also like six five, right? So we'll see how it goes. Hopefully, I mean, if he like if he doesn't go by the ring, I'm okay with that. But hopefully, with Dewey, I think he signed like a contract deal with them as a legend contract, so. Either he'll be handing out with production or something or coaching, you know? Yeah, I mean... Yeah, that'd be I'm, a cool thing for him to, you know, teach the young generation. I'm sure he's not... That won't be the last you see. Well, maybe not on the TV, but he'll be... I mean, what else does he know? I mean, I would hope that he will enjoy his retirement or, or you know, actually take the time to really speak for, with himself as opposed to having to, you know, get back into that 
you know, hustle and bustle now that he can finally have a proper send-off. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's cool that if he does get the opportunity, it'd be nice. I mean, it's definitely someone that would only offer nothing but solid knowledge of trying to help the brand if it lasts after these <laughs> strange times. But right. I think it's awesome that he got the the documentary he deserved. I liked the, the he, well, for that documentary to happen, too. It's interesting. But definitely check it out. I do recommend seeing that documentary. It's called Integrity the Last Ride. It's a five-part limited series on WWE Network. Um, anything else, Pico, you want to add before we sign off? Any shows or anything you're watching right now you recommend? Uh... No, I mean, I haven't seen anything new. I actually just started watching Dari again. Oh, yeah, because I didn't know the announced. No, the show. I, I just, I, I... I know they just announced, uh, I know they announced the spin-off Jody. I guess they announced... Oh, no, I'm not watching that. No, I'm good. I don't, I don't know. I just not a, I'm not a spin-off guy. I just don't get it. Like, it's... Especially with, I mean, Jody was a cool character, is a cool character, but I don't, I don't, I don't know, it's a, it's a different time. Daria came out in a very interesting time, but I, I like the character because that's how, I was going to say that's how I was in high school, that's how I am in life, mm-hmm. so like, it just makes sense, but uh, I've been watching that, I think I'm going to watch Scrubs again, because who doesn't want, who, Scrubs is a rewatchable show forever. Um, I'm gonna be like that. Hopefully, I get to be that old man that is gonna revisit like those type of shows in the near future. And uh, I think that's all I'm finding myself doing is watching comfort movie shows mm-hmm. during these times. Um, cool. And obviously, with new stuff coming out on Netflix, always uh, I, I got Apple TV finally, so I, I'm gonna check out the Beastie Boys uh, documentary by Spike Jones. Um, I think there's a movie with Anthony Mackie. Uh, I think based on true events, him and Samuel Jackson, um, I don't remember what it is, but Apple TV, I guess, is putting some solid quality work on, on their platform, and now that I got the free trial, I'm going to check it out for a year and see what's up, and, you know, just another thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Just trying to not only watch Netflix, now that there's so many ways to get entertainment and, uh, I I wish there would be new movies. I haven't seen any movies recently. Yeah, I mean, what the theaters are so far, like I read so far, that mostly theaters are opening later next month. We do on the 15th, I know. AMC is going to be opening around the 15th of July. um, Cinemark and um, as well. But I think Cinemark's doing that as a regional basis first. But AMC, they're going to have like guidelines as well. Like they're not going to have a full capacity theaters. Um, They are going to require patrons to wear masks as well. Until they sit down their seats. So it's pretty much until they sit in their seats. So pretty much when you're walking around, have your mask on, makes sense. But you can take it off when you're sitting down in your seat. Um, they'll probably have a limited concessions menu, as they said, and pretty much they're going to take you know proper precautions when they're social distancing and cleanliness and all that stuff. Um, all right, so that will do it for this week of Talking About. Of course, this episode will be called Speaking Out because basically it was about the Speaking Out movement. Um, definitely that's something that needs to be taken seriously as well of course, of course Black Lives Matter also as well yes, please understand educate yourself and, and stay aware of what's going on please think think objectively with everything please show support for your fellow humans that are stuck on this planet as well and, and just educate yourself try and try to put yourself in your fellow brothers or sisters shoes and just try to understand what we're all going through different plights here and it's a very strange time indeed and changes need to happen and happen now 
All right, so don't forget, you can check out the backlog episodes on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple Podcasts. Um, you can, like I said, if you like this shirt, um, you get the shirt like this right now on teespring.com. Right now, if you use the, talk, the promo code TALKPOP, you get five bucks off your order. It's very soft, guys. So, it's nice. real soft material, guys, you know. Wear it around the house if you're just lounging, chilling out. Cute last or not? I mean, what's the not? It's like? the pops or not, basically. We're calling them right yeah. now. Um, you can also I'm on game. I'm gaming on Twitch right now. So if you go to uh, Franchise Six Eighty Five right now, I'm, I'm doing a Twitch playthrough of the visual novel game called Our Worlds Ended. Um, you can catch this um, stream of the podcast on the Franchise YouTube channel, also on Twitch. You can look for eight five Talk Pop eight five twenty on Twitch as well. Make sure to hit that follow button or even subscribe to the YouTube channel. To you know, get notifications for every live stream again. Make sure to hit that like button and subscribe. Um, you can also check our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash talkandpop. We'll post links to the, the podcast itself and also the video. Um, like I said, we'll as long as pop culture is happening, we'll keep talking about it. And that's all we got. Um, stay safe. Wash your hands. As always, as I am the franchise. Geek on and take care.